Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Scattered Abroad Joint Podcast. Again, we're so grateful that you're with us. Uh, we are so excited to be recording this entire season from our exhibit uh, here at Polishing the Pulpit 2022. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be here. We're thankful that you are with us as we are recording these particular episodes. I have with me on my right, Michael Clark, co-director, co-founder of the Scattered Abroad Network. To his right, Drew Settles, host of the Weathering the Storm podcast, comes out every Thursday. And then also then to my left, Daniel Webster, host of the Bible Storming podcast, which comes out every... When does it come out? Saturday, Saturday. once a month, mm -hmm. hypothetically. But does it? <laughs> hypothetically. <Okay. laughs> When's the last time you uploaded? Oh, you know, a month or so ago. <laughs> when was the last time you interrupted a filming that we oh, were doing? Oh, you know, a day or two ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael is the host of the Far Better Podcast. He That comes out every Wednesday. And then I'm host of the Transport Podcast every Tuesday. But if you've been with us on the network, you know all of those things. That was just for people who maybe are just now watching us. We do encourage you to go back and watch all of our other episodes um, that are on video. You can go to our YouTube, go to our Facebook page. They're all there. Or... Um, if you just want the audio, go to any podcast platform. You can find us there, and we are on all of those platforms uh, just for you to be able to listen to us. Also, if you wouldn't mind going to our website, scatteredabroad.org, there you can find all the information that you need to know about us. We are super excited about this theme that we have uh, been diving into and been discussing, that being Behold Our God. And what better theme is there for us to discuss, for us to think about, other than that of our almighty creator? And today, in this particular episode for this month specifically, we are um, discussing this idea of beholding our God in the Old and the New Testament. And this is a very interesting idea as we think about Almighty God being there from the very beginning, creating us as individuals, and then giving us a manual, a book by which we must live our lives, but it consisting of two different testaments. It consisting over many different years of big time span. There's so many different things that we could talk about as we look at this idea of beholding our God in the Old Testament. So let me just open it up to the guys with the very first question. What was the beginning nature of God within the Old Testament? Artistic, creative. <laughs> I mean, the, the nature of God was he was very much involved in trying to build something. Sure. The very first time we ever read about God is the first verse of the Bible, and it says, in the beginning, God was feeling artistic. You know, he created the heavens and the earth, and he was able to do all of that because he has this supreme power. But we find throughout the rest of those two chapters that God was good because everything God created, everything that God touched and put something together was found to be good except one thing, and he quickly corrected that. And Adam basically looked at Eve and said, this is very good. I'm, I'm right. very pleased. I'm, I'm going to have a helper. And so God was good. Very first thing you ever hear about God is he's a good, creative, artistic God. And I think that's an important thing to start off with, that God had to be good in order to make a good universe. Sure. Mm. Great point. And we think about his nature. He's the self-existing one. Right. You know, the I am, Exodus 3. And then Moses would later write in Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, right. you, you are God. God. I mean, he's, he's always been there. So his nature is one that's timeless. And like Michael said, for anything to be created good, it had to come from the good source. And sure. James one seventeen, the father of lights, that's who created it. Right. Mm. You know, I th when I think of this question, to me, it, it seems almost like the obvious answer is the best answer. Where we say that the beginning nature of God in the Old Testament is the same nature <laughs> that he has now. Right. Sure. Where he is, like you were saying, that the eternal self-existent mm -hmm. one, where he has always been God, even before we were here, right? Yeah. He was God, and today he is 
God. He's the same as he always was and always will be. Even in the beginning, he was the same as now. Yeah, when we t- I think when we talk about God, it's kind of difficult, I guess, to wrap our minds around just understanding his nature. And it's hard for us to really even discuss his nature because it's hard for us to put into words um, the way that we feel about it, the way that our minds think, because he is a being that is so far superior to us. He has all the power, all the authority. He is all sovereign. Um, and he is omniscient he is omnipresent and those kinds of concepts are difficult for us to grasp and understand because we are not that way we are not um our our physical bodies are not eternal um and we don't hold that power we don't hold that knowledge we're not holy like he is we're not um just and loving and and graceful and merciful in the ways that he is to the extent that he is and i think that's difficult for us to understand um when we talk about the nature uh, of almighty god Mainly because man is not good. Right. Like, the, it's just a known fact that man is imperfect. Man has problems. And even in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 17, there was a man who came to Jesus and he said, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. And Jesus' statement was, You're not ever going to be as good as God. And so are you putting me on a level playing field as God? Are you admitting by calling me good teacher that I possess something that only God possesses? Right. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that, we've often said this statement before. I'm just trying to be a good person. I'm just trying to be a good person. I can't be as good as God. I can be a righteous person. I can be a faithful person. But I'm not so sure that the idea of having a good person statement is really something that belongs in our vocabulary because Jesus came right out and said it. There is no one good but God. By the very nature of good, we look back to what God did in the beginning. Like Daniel said, the same nature God possesses now is the same nature that he had back then. He hasn't changed. And so to be as good as God, I have to do exactly and have exactly what God has. Since I'm never going to have that, I have to be a little bit more careful. And I think that's why the nature of God is so hard for us to fathom is because we're never on that level sure. and we're never going to be on that level. It, the only time we're on that level is when we can't speak. We can't think for ourselves. Really. We are a little child. We are good. We are perfect. We are innocent. Mm-hmm. That doesn't last forever. Right. God's has lasted forever and it's not going anywhere. Right. I think you're talking about his nature, um, him really <clears throat> being our standard of authority. And we've, we've talked about that idea before, but it, because of his nature, there is a way that you and I as his creation should respond to his nature. That being, we should be willing to humble ourselves, submit to his will, um, and understand that when we look at him, he is the eternal being um, that is the all-powerful creator. And that should shape and form the way that uh, our minds think towards him. And it should shape and form the way that we just live our lives over here on this earth. Yeah, where we like try to become like him, right? right. I mean, like Second Peter 1, 3, I think it is, where we've become partakers of the divine nature. And in that text, there's this picture almost this metaphor painted of the goal of our being lights in the world almost where we are we're we're trying to shine god's light out to everybody and we have this almost it's almost like there's this generator that's far off that is the character the nature of god and the power line that connects our lights and that generator are his promises he's given us these very great and precious promises peter says so you have the generator of god you have the promises that connect to us and we're the lights and so then as we're trying to imitate god as we're trying to become partakers of that nature 
Peter goes into what we like to call the Christian graces in verses five through seven, add to your faith, virtue and virtue, knowledge, and et cetera, et cetera, where God, we can obviously can't be like God in every way. None of us are timeless or none of us are ever going to achieve God, you know, God likeness in every way, every, every capacity, but that should be what we're striving toward, right? Sure. Like that's, that's the goal of our lives here on earth in a lot of ways. Yeah. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. And I'm supposed to be an imitator of Paul as he imitated Christ, right. who is like the father in being called good in that passage in Matthew 19. And so I do the best that I can to imitate the image of Christ, knowing that I'm never going to be the authentic image because there's only one. And it's the same with God, but I do the best I can and I strive for what would probably be better served as what we've been talking about, righteousness, sure. faithfulness, doing the best that I can to be better each day mm. than I was the day before. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like Paul says in, in Romans eight twenty nine, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, I love this, this thought because we've been talking about being conformed to the image, looking like Jesus. Like if Jesus looks in the mirror, we want to be looking back at that, that type of thing. Or we look in the mirror, Jesus is looking back. What's the purpose of that? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And this might be a little bit off topic. I just, I just love that thought so much where just as when we look in the mirror, we see Jesus as, and as we gather together around this table in this podcast episode in our assemblies on Sunday mornings, we're brothers there, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what makes us brothers? Well, we've been adopted early in Romans eight. Paul talks about that. We've been adopted by God into his family. And we're all looking more and more and more like Jesus. At least, hopefully, that's what we're doing. And as we grow in our family likeness, we also grow in looking more and more like Jesus. Sure, absolutely. That's certainly what we should be striving for uh, every single day of our lives. Just before we continue on, I want to make mention of, <clears throat> I guess, perhaps a, a new sponsor that we picked up. One of the gentlemen on our network who you have seen by this point at the time we're recording, he is not. Uh, they have not produced a podcast yet, but by the time you're watching this, they will have produced a podcast, and that is uh, Matthew McBrayer. Uh, he has joined us, um, as you know, obviously, by the time this podcast has come out, the Father Time podcast, uh, which talks all about, um, I don't know, how would you describe this podcast? It's Probably getting ready for family Bible time, right, how to yeah. make that work for your sure, family. Exactly. And he has written a book along with R.D. Beavers uh, that is entitled Conformed or Transformed, and it is t talking, sorry, I wasn't even there we go. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> We're learning Look at that pretty cover. Look at it. Conformed or transformed. Um, I personally love the title to this mm, book. Especially that last word, right? Especially the last word. And mm. the logo actually kind of looks like my logo too. Kind of. You're welcome. No. <laughs> a little bit. But there's a lot of great stuff in here. Obviously, uh, points on the passage of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, so a lot of great things in that book. So hopefully you will uh, go pick uh, up one of those books up. We'll put that link uh, in our show notes below. Certainly appreciative of Matt. Um, and the work that he's done uh, with, with this book. As we're continuing our thoughts here, we're talking about God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is a very interesting question that we're going to discuss um, as we think about going all the way back to the beginning of time. We know that when God created the world, like Michael had said earlier, everything was good. Um, in fact, he says everything was very good there at the end of Genesis chapter 1. But let's talk about this idea of a wrathful God, and let's talk about what caused and a wrathful God, the wrathful God, to make an appearance in the first place. Well, just like you talk about God being good, you got to talk about him being just. Sure. If he ceases to be good, he ceases to be God. Flip side of that is also true. Romans eleven twenty two: the goodness and the severity. What what brought that on was sin. Right. You know, Genesis chapter 3, and then you see the Lord walking in the cool of the day. Adam, where are you? 
right? Genesis chapter 4, here comes Cain and Abel. Here he comes on the scene again. Genesis chapter 6, here's the flood. Genesis 18 and 19, when there's sin and there's a problem, then you're going to get the wrath of God. And that's that's his nature. That's his justice. I think we find that multiple times throughout Scripture. Obviously, I could go to Genesis 6, but I'll skip that. And I'll just say, obviously, the whole Bible is not just a book about hope. If you really want to boil it down, it's a book about sin and what it does to people. And if you don't have a cure for that, how hopeless your situation is. But thankfully, this story has a cure. But among those 66 books, we have one that we know as the Judges. And the entire book of the Judges is hopeless in many ways. You know, you have periods of rest and comfort, but then you have severe problems coming after one another because they stop serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the wrath of God always makes an appearance when sin takes place. And... It has kind of a flow like we talk about where God's cup of wrath will be filled and eventually it will need to be outpoured. In Judges Judges chapter 2, I almost said Joshua because that's who we're talking about in Judges 2, Joshua dies. Mm -hmm. And when Joshua dies, the people had been serving the Lord all of his days and all the days of the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great works of the Lord. But when Joshua died, they buried him and all the generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation came up. That did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. And the very first thing we read after that is, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served idol gods. And they forsook the Lord God, verse 11, of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And it goes all the way down there. And this is what it says at the very end. They provoked the Lord to anger. I like us pointing this out because a lot of people want to look at God as if he has an anger issue and God just had moments in the Old Testament where he he went a little farther than he should have. He might have gotten a little bit too upset. And as a father, I can say with complete sincerity, I've made mistakes before being very frustrated and spoken out of turn and gone a little farther than I maybe should have because I'm not perfect. And I've had to say, hey, I'm sorry. That was a little harsh. I'm sorry about that. But some people want to put that on God too. Mm -hmm. Judges tells us, They provoked the Lord to anger. Their actions caused a response by God, and it was because they'd forsaken the Lord, and so the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So why was God's wrathful appearance about to happen? It was because the children of Israel had forsaken him. They had stopped living for him. They had committed transgression, and not just a transgression. A whole generation arose that did not know the Lord, and God finally said, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. I'm coming after you and you're going to experience the hurt of serving idol gods. That's always what happens throughout the Old Testament with captivity. And Judges is really, if you want to look at it, Judges is a precursor for the rest of the Old Testament Mm -hmm. because it shows exactly what's going to happen. What Deuteronomy 28 warned about in verses 15 through 68, all of the horrible things that would come upon you if you don't serve the Lord, it won't be God's fault. It'll be my own. And if I don't serve him, don't be shocked if a wrathful appearance is made because of my inaction in being faithful right. in service. Well, God had even warned them, though, when you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, what did he tell them mm-hmm. to do? He said, love right. the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, but then he didn't just stop there. He showed them how important this was, and he told them, teach it to your children. Yeah. Because if you don't, what's going to happen? Exactly what happened mm-hmm. uh, with, an, with you losing out on an entire mm-hmm. generation. So when we think about the idea of sin, Obviously, we know, again, God created everything perfectly and in the way that it needed to be designed. 
Um, but within that, you and I also have free will. We are free moral agents. Um, and uh, there are times when we do sin and we do uh, do those things that are transgressions of God's law. And when we do that, we first separate ourselves from God as if 59 and verse 2. And then we make ourselves individuals who are deserving of death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But there is hope from that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but when we think about a wrathful God, uh, that should be something that ought to strike fear in our hearts in knowing, and that, that should push us to live our lives a certain mm-hmm. and specific way, knowing that if we don't, something very horrible and terrible is going to happen to us eternally if we don't. And God, like we've talked about in other episodes, would be extremely just in doing oh, yeah. those kinds of things. Sure. Mm. First Peter 1, 13 through 17 says the same exact thing. You know, be holy for, for I am holy. Peter right. quoted from the Old Testament. And he says, as obedient children... Don't go back to who you were. Sure. That, that's that's mm. going to bring about the wrath of God. But you strive for holiness. And then Michael triggered a thought too, Leviticus 10 and 11. You know, we emphasize Nadab and Abihu in mm. Leviticus 10. Why did God's wrath appear? They attacked his holiness. Right. In the very next chapter, verse 44, that's what it's really about. Yes, it's his wrath, right. but we need to be taken back by the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 6, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. That's a part of his wrath is his holiness. He's not going right. to... It's not going to put up with that. Like Michael said, it, this, it's going to stop here. Right. Uh, and nothing's changed about God. He's still holy, still righteous. Sure. When we, you think about, I'll get to you in just a second. When you think about every situation where there is sin, generally arrogance or pride is involved. And you, I think about Nadab and Abihu. They knew exactly yeah. what they were supposed to do. They were sons of a priest. And even when you look later on, is it either that chapter or the chapter before, it talks about how they were individuals who were teachers of the law too. Right, yeah. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. And yet what did they do? They did what they wanted to do. Right. Pride, arrogance, you know, lack of humility, all of these things wrapped up into one. And that is what puts you at a conflict with God every single time. That's right. You know, I love what Drew said, especially tying in Leviticus with First Peter 1, because that's, that's exactly what Peter does, mm-hmm. right, in the next verse. And he also ties it in with the concept that we've talked about in this episode some, where he says, instead of being conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, be holy, right. for I am holy, quoting Leviticus 11.44. Mm-hmm. And also tying in this concept of us trying to become like God, right? Because right, God is our standard for morality. So we should be holy because he is holy. So in the same way that God is holy, we also must be like him mm-hmm. once again. And I, I love, you know, we talked a few episodes about the concept of God being the greatest conceivable conceivable being. That if, if there's something that makes something great, God mm-hmm. must possess that quality and it's to its highest extent, right? So we would consider love and kindness to be great making qualities like they make someone great, right? If you're loving, if you're kind, that's those are good things. Mm -hmm. But also, I think the same thing applies to justice and even wrath, where if you don't have those qualities, you're missing good qualities, at Mm -hmm. least as they're supposed to exist in you, right? right. Because we want a world that's just. If if we don't, then there's something off about our moral compass where Mm -hmm. we say that someone can get away with doing literally anything and it's neither right nor wrong. It's just whatever they want to do. And I think for almost all of us as humans, there's, there's something that feels wrong about that. And we Mm -hmm. we don't have to get into detail, but there are some truly terrible things that we know that people do in the world. And those things should make us mad. Like we we should feel emotion toward them, you know, and Mm -hmm. never setting aside love, never hating those people for what they've done as much as we can. You know, we're trying to forgive people to, love them like we hope we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. But even with that, the justice that says that what they're doing actually is wrong 
is a good thing. I don't, I don't think we should miss that point. Something that triggered a thought. If I were to be driving home tonight and I see the blue lights come on, mm, the worst if, I, feeling. if I pull over I and get to the side <laughs> of the road pretty quickly, probably the worst I'm looking at is a, a ticket of some kind. Well, if I keep driving. Or how depends on how fast you were going. And what if I what mm. if I uh, speed up and keep driving? And what if I wreck into a bunch of people while I'm doing that? Does the severity of justice go up based on how I react to doing a sim- a simple transgression? If I stop, I'm going to get punished, very likely. But the punishment becomes more severe the greater the transgression. And when we look at what happens with the children of Israel. We're talking about a generation came up and a whole generation stopped serving the Lord mm-hmm. and it triggered the anger of God. Mm-hmm. It triggered a reaction. We cannot be con- we cannot be surprised, not concerned, but we cannot be surprised with the way that our world is and the way that our nation is and the other nations around us when we start to see certain things becoming so commonplace and almost treated as if they're normal if the wrath of God will not be providentially outpoured upon us. We can't be shocked if all of a sudden God says, okay, I'm not going to physically cause harm on them, but you are going to fall because righteousness exalts the nation. Sin is a reproach to any people, Proverbs 14, 34. And you have that issue all the way back in Judges, all the way back in Genesis, and even today, the severity of the transgression causes the severity of the consequence sure and it triggers it all the time absolutely you know something too we need to probably need to say is that god's justice and wrath is not emotional but judicial like for us as human beings we react emotionally right Right. michael mentioned being a a father and a parent there's sometimes it gets the best Mm -hmm. of you in in the emotion god doesn't act that way right he doesn't lose control of his emotion it's judicial right Mm -hmm. and it's an attack against his holiness right when again it goes back to his perfect nature too exactly he's not going to make any mistakes uh, in that where again as you and i know that we will make mistakes from time to time um but god is perfect okay (laughs) (laughs) but 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 god my podcast schedule (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but god is perfect in everything that he does um and so we know that there's no mistakes thus we know that when god is wrathful whether it be in any time that we read about it in scripture we know that there is a just cause a just reason uh behind it Mm -hmm. was god and this is our, our next question as we talk about the wrath of god was god only able to be seen as wrathful and it's interesting when you think about it because oftentimes when we think about the god of the old testament what do people say uh, yeah. about god that he the was old just testament right right he was <laughs> just a, a god of anger a god of wrath a god of uh, of, of a being who constantly killed people and destroyed nations and all those kinds of things was he only able to be seen as wrathful i'm going to pull a michael clark here and go back to the first time you found the word grace in the bible <laughs> genesis 6 8 you know, and, and that's in the context in the midst of God getting ready to wipe out the world with the flood. Sure. Because of sin, because of wickedness and ungodliness. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So you, not just you saw the wrath of God. You saw that side. But you also saw his love and his grace and his kindness and his mercy and allowing Noah and his family the opportunity to be saved. Right. And you even see that going back to the garden. He could have wiped out Adam and Eve right then. And yes, there were consequences, but. Think of also the, the, the blessing and the beauty of them having more children, having Seth, and, and thinking of, you know, and, and all those instances, even though God's wrath was there, God's grace was also there. Sure. And if yeah. we're going to have a balanced view of God, we've got to see both. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like we've been saying, I think that's consistent from the very beginning to the very end. Yeah. Where, sure, there is progressive revelation where we learn more about God 
as time goes on, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we were living back when Genesis was written, well, now we know more about God because we have his ultimate self-revelation in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. But from beginning to end, there is the concept of justice and there is the concept of holiness, but there's also the concept of love and the concept of grace. Yeah, It's there from beginning to the end and, and all of those concepts are revealed to their fullest extent in the person of Jesus. Right, well, we think if God was only wrathful, then he wouldn't be perfect or he wouldn't be just in his nature because there are times when we're pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. um, they would, if he was only wrathful, there would be no home of heaven uh, sure. for us. Um, so I, it's just interesting when you think about yeah. people who they're in their ideology, they think about God only being wrathful. That, that idea of in and of itself it goes against the nature of God. Right. And when you think about it, one of the greatest crimes against Bible um, study today is taking things out of context or sure. cherry picking what we're going to choose to use. Yeah. Of course, if I chose Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68, and I just said, look at how mean God is, mm -hmm. then that would make sense to a lot of people because I've got a multitude of verses, you know, some 53 verses that are talking about God saying, if you don't change, you're going to have problems. And he goes into great detail through the author of Moses. And now you have the first 14 verses completely taken out of context, though. They're gone. It's not even included. And it acts as if God said from the very beginning, you mess up one time. Yeah, I am holding you over the fire. You mess up one time, and that's it. And that's not a accurate approach to Bible study. We have got to look at the whole context. And one of the things we have to be careful about, especially in expository preaching, when we pick a text, is not to just allow that one text— to make or break the rest of the context of the Bible. I have to be willing to look at all aspects of that particular context of what's being discussed. So if I look at Philippians 1 and Paul says, hey, I'm not going to call those people out because they're preaching and that's all that matters, then I forget that Paul called out people who were doing things that were wrong. And so I have to do the same approach with looking at God. Was God only ever able to be seen as wrathful? No, that that's not... That's not fair. It's not consistent. It's not fair or consistent with Bible study. It's not fair or consistent with God. And it's not fair or consistent in our approach to handling God. Right. Sure. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. We're, we're talking about the wrath of God. We're talking about his nature. Um, we haven't talked about the goodness of God quite as much, I don't think. Um, but when we look at the wrath of God, we know that in everything that he does, he's just, there's a cause, there's a reason behind it because God is perfect. Matthew five and verse, uh, verse 48. Um, before we move on to our last question, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to Michael for our sponsor, uh, that is really sponsoring, I guess, our whole season. Yeah. Uh, we're sponsored this season by the Memphis school of preaching, and we're thankful for them being willing to sponsor us. They gave us these camelbacks, uh, the water bottles that we've been using all season long. And really we've said it all season, but I'll say it again. We've been sponsored already by the Memphis school of preaching because any of the teaching that we're able to give is from the two years that we received an in instruction and education from MSOP. And you might be somebody who is interesting or is interested in preaching and you want to, yeah, who, if you're interesting, we hope you preach, but you might be somebody who is interested in preaching and we hope that you'll check the show notes out for more information about MSOP. Behold our God in the Old and New Testament. I suppose a great, a great question to end this on is this. We're talking about the, new the Old Testament and the New Testament, two testaments in and of themselves, but let's talk about God. Did he change in between the two testaments? Yes. Yeah. But not in the <laughs> no. way that, not in the way that, mo well, I'm going to say this. Yes. in one thing, he changed the law. He changed the requirements of the law. Sure. But that was always something he wanted to be done. 
God knew Revelation 13, 8, Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The law that was in the Old Testament required a rigid perfection that man couldn't keep. And God said, let's give a better covenant. And we have multiple books throughout the entire passages of Scripture in the New Testament, like Galatians. We have Ephesians in certain sections, but especially Galatians and Hebrews who talk about a better covenant that we have. Why should we go back to the old law? Well, something had to have changed, but it wasn't that God's nature changed, and it wasn't that God himself changed. He changed the law and the requirements so that we would have a better chance at getting to heaven if we stayed in the Old Testament pattern then we have to be perfect and nobody makes it to heaven except Jesus and God who are the same and the holy. They're really lonesome up there. They've got nobody that can make it from the creation that God has made. But we have Romans chapter seven, verses 21 through 25, which tells us it's not about perfection. It's about faithfulness. So yes, he changed, but Acts chapter five is still in the Bible. It still tells me that God was willing to make a strong reaction and have a strong punishment for something that he deemed necessary to be punished. Ananias and Sapphira died at the feet of the apostles right. because of a transgression that they had made. The apostles had their authority from Jesus through God or from God through Jesus, and here we are. These people died. I, people must be missing that chapter in the mm-hmm. Bible, and I think it's sincere, but it's still there, and it proves that God is still wrathful at times when it needs to be done. And ultimately, the wrath of God will be outpoured at the judgment day with the wicked. Sure. Uh, another thought that comes to mind is Acts seventeen thirty. You know, these times of ignorance, God right. winked at or God overlooked. But now, as Michael was saying, now commands all men everywhere to repent. Well, why is that? Why is this repentance so necessary? It's not to say that people weren't to repent in the Old Testament, but now there's a new standard, a new law. Right. It's the law of Christ. That's verse 31. There's coming a day when he's going to judge the world sure. by that man who has ordained. And so now that that has changed... You, you got to think about God in his essence. His nature has never changed. Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. I change not. Mm-hmm. But now in the gospel, you've got to meet those certain conditions. you got to meet that standard sure. if you're going to be right. That's the sure. only way you can be justified is in Christ. Right. Well, even you think, too, in the Old Testament, there were still requirements that they yeah. had to meet in order to be faithful. That hasn't changed. His, right. his, yeah. his wrath has not changed. His justice has not changed. Um, but certainly we do see... And I guess this is where people focus on within the New Testament. They look at the grace and the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly he shows his long suffering with us, Second Peter 3, verse 9, mm-hmm. um, that we have an opportunity to, to spend our home in heaven with him. Um, and thanks be to God for that. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what else do we say about it? <laughs> Wrap up the show, bro. <laughs> Real quick, I've, I've been sitting over thinking, uh-oh. The things, yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't go well when that happens. Uh, rarely. So... Well, I think the things that y'all have all been saying, what changed in that moment? Those things changed, but what caused the change? Well, it was Jesus, Mm -hmm. the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, right? That one great self-expression of God where he came into the world, he took on our flesh and showed us what he looks like, you know, as a human. That changed everything. Changed the covenant, changed the expectations, and changed what he does for us, where we no longer have to be perfect because we can be counted as perfect in him, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus changed everything. Matthew chapter 5, you've mm-hmm. heard that it had been said, this right. is what it was, but now I say unto you, he elevated everything. Absolutely. He elevated the, your expectation, the way you are to live. But God in his nature never changed, and that's not what we're, we're trying to right. submit. Right, right, You know, God's always been the same, but 
look at that standard, but it is a standard of grace as well. Sure. Yeah. You got to have that balance. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Certainly something we are grateful for every single day of our lives. Again, we're so thankful that we're able to do this podcast. We're thankful that you as our audience are here listening with us and to us. Uh, we do ask that you would give us any kind of feedback that you have. Leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform it is that you use. Don't forget to check out our website, scatteredabroad.org. Again, we're so grateful that you're with us. Continue uh, watching, listening, whatever it is, however you're getting this podcast. And we hope that this podcast blesses you in your walk with Christ. We're so thankful that you're with us. We'll see you next month. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.